Welcome to South African Birth Stories. I'm Megan Salvage and I am the host of this new podcast series that interviews women who share their childbirth stories. Today, I'm so excited to bring you the very first episode as I interview Jess, who describes her intense childbirth experience in 2018. She was startled by her waters breaking at 34 weeks gestation and was unprepared for the sequence of events and interventions to come. Her story of feeling out of control may resonate with a lot of women. Jess describes how her doula provided essential support and she advocates strongly for them. I really hope that you enjoy this story. Hi Jess, it's so great to have you on the show today telling us the birth story of your first child, Joshua. Thank you. If you could start by just telling us a little bit about yourself. Um, I live in Cape Town. Uh, I'm married to Dean. Um, I work part-time at Common Ground Church and I also have my own uh, consulting business called Workplace Wellbeing which is um, very new and also very flexible. So it allows me to be home and available to the family. Um, And I have a two-year-old son who you mentioned. Uh, His name is Joshua. And I am currently expecting my second boy. Wow, that's very exciting. So let's talk first about your pregnancy with Joshua. That was about two years ago. Did you plan to get pregnant when you did? Uh, Yes, it was definitely a conversation uh, between my husband and I. Uh, Dean was certainly way more convinced uh, about children than I was. And so um, it took me a little while to come around, um, but I'm so glad I did. And uh, it probably took us about six months to fall pregnant. Um, It doesn't sound like a long time, but those six months um, really did feel like a long time. And um, I think we had both settled in our minds that we had wanted to start a family. And so uh, six months just felt like a long time to fall pregnant. Sure. And so how did you realize that you were pregnant? Uh, I, um, I took a, a pregnancy test, a home pregnancy test, and that tested positive. And um, interestingly, I had taken a number of, I had used a number of non-digital pregnancy, pregnancy tests. Um, and when my um, period was delayed even further, I decided to splurge and get a digital pregnancy test. And that's when I got the positive results. So use a digital test from the start. Yeah, that sounds like good advice. So what was your birth plan and what preparation did Uh, you do? Can you just tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So so, um, we, I think anyone who, who knows me or anyone who would have met me would know that I, I like to be very prepared and um, I am a meticulous planner. Um, and so from the very moment that I found out we were pregnant, we started having conversations with people and um, just to hear about uh, what their experience was like. And, um, and it was really helpful, but our experience was so, so different. Um, and so in my mind, while I had, um, you know, I had dreamed of this natural birthing process where I would be in control of my body and control of the experience and in control of the circumstances, um, our uh, birth was very different to anything I had dreamed of or contemplated in my own mind. 
Um, we did go for antenatal classes um, and I managed to attend three of those six antenatal classes before Joshua arrived. And uh, at those three classes, she did ask some very helpful questions that uh, helped us to get a handle on exactly what we wanted at our birth. Um, for example, I was convinced that I wanted a natural birth and I wanted to do everything in my power to um, have the best possible chance of that. And uh, after doing some reading um, and also looking at the stats, we realized that having a doula in the room with us would give us the uh, best possible likelihood of having a natural birth. And so our obstetrician had a list of preferred doulas who we had planned to interview. And we had only managed to have one interview uh, before Joshua arrived. And so she got the job, she was it. Uh, and um, yeah, so uh, our birth plan um, unfolded vastly differently to how we had planned. Okay, and how was Dean feeling during this time? Did he come along to the antenatal classes? How was he involved? Uh, he, he was there at every antenatal class and very engaged and involved. Um, but I think, uh, I think it being a first-time experience, um, some of the conversations and, um, uh, you know, what your wife's body is about to go through, they, they seem like quite daunting conversations, you know, and so, um, yeah, and so I really had to sort of pull him into these conversations. He was so willing and so engaged, but um, it did sometimes feel like, as the woman, I needed to initiate these things. Okay, great. And now for your birth story. So I've actually heard it before and it is quite an intense story. I'm looking forward to hearing it again. So if you can just give us a play-by-play. -play. Thanks. Sure. So uh, my pregnancy was very easy, run-of-the-mill kind of pregnancy. Um, until 34 weeks when I developed the most debilitating uh, lower back pain. Um, which kept me at home for two days. And uh, then on the second day, Dean kind of gave my lower back a really good massage and relieved a lot of pressure. And, and um, I jumped into bed. And the minute I lay down, my waters burst audibly. Um, and so that was, that was the beginning of a, a very um, overwhelming and quite pressured labor and birth experience. So I was at home 34 weeks, my waters burst, and I had not really, I knew that was an option, but I didn't know anyone who, number one, had had a preterm baby at 34 weeks, and number two, whose waters had just burst out of the blue like that. So we were very panicked that I think, you know, something was wrong, or, or we were going to, we were heading into, um, into trouble, and uh, luckily, um, the first phone call we made was to um, that doula that I referenced earlier. And because Josh was 34 weeks, uh, the instruction was to get to the hospital fast. Um, and, and, and so right from the very beginning, things were very different to how we had planned. I had wanted to have contractions at home for as long as possible and go to the hospital at the very last minute, you know. I hadn't experienced a single contraction as they had been described to me by the time we got to the hospital. 
only thing I had was lower back pain and that my waters had burst. So we got to the hospital. Uh, we didn't actually know where to go. <laughs> um, we had to fill out heaps of paperwork before we were even admitted to the maternity ward. And um, yeah, we then got into the maternity ward. They did a very brisk kind of examination of me. And then we were left, just the two of us. Um, and it was the most overwhelming experience. I remember Dean and I sort of looked at each other and we thought, what, like, is everything okay? What is going on? <laughs> um, where is everybody? Shouldn't someone be here with us? And we were really, really confused. Um, and thank goodness our doula arrived shortly thereafter. And I think it didn't take her long to pick up on how we were feeling. Um, and she really was exceptional in just taking charge of the situation, in distilling our fears and our anxieties. And she really just brought a sense of um, just calm and order to what was a very, very panicked um, uh, experience and time for us. Uh, she was wonderful in that she knew just how to um, kind of touch my body, how to massage me, how to speak to me, how to move me and encourage me. And it was really, really wonderful. Um, unfortunately, a couple of hours in, I just couldn't bear up. I couldn't um, tolerate the back pain anymore. By this point, I still had not had a single contraction, you know, in my, in my, uh, my stomach area. And so I wasn't getting that uh, sort of relief that I think comes with those waves of contraction that you hear a woman speaking about. Um, and so uh, this would have probably been at about 10, 11 p.m. I asked for an epidural. And um, again, that was something that I hadn't planned um, on having. Um, and so these small little things that happened throughout our pregnancy um, changed the trajectory of the experience that we had. And so they, they hook you up once you have the epidural, they hook you up onto all sorts of machines and you're on your back on the bed. Um, and you can kind of see as the monitor um, goes up, you can see when you're getting a contraction and that's when they tell you to push. Um, so once I had had the, the epidural and I had been laboring for a few hours um, and then the obstetrician arrived and then I, I think they there was a bit of pressure to get this baby up, you know? And um, so while maybe physically I wasn't quite ready to start pushing, I think all the doctors in the room felt like we need to get this, get this rolling, you know? Um, and so I pushed when they told me to push. I was pushing with all the strength that I could muster, but um, it obviously wasn't enough. And that's why all these interventions were needed. Um, Although, having said that, uh, both Dean and I don't recall Joshua ever being in distress. And so um, now that we are going, we're preparing for our second birth, um, we are asking ourselves questions like, well, what if I was actually allowed to maybe labor a little bit longer? You know, would we have needed all of those interventions? Um, and uh, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't enough. Josh wasn't coming out uh, and so they did an episiotomy at first I wasn't actually I don't remember being asked um, or, or, or even told actually that I was having an episiotomy um, 
and that goes for all of the interventions that I had um, and, and the obstetrician really just kind of took charge and made her own decisions on that front. Um, and, and she used the forceps um, and that was a very high pressure moment for us in our pregnancy because the forceps actually got stuck inside of me. So at this point I was so grateful that I had a epidural because I don't know if I would have managed the pain. But um, it was a moment that will be forever etched in my mind when our doctor kind of looked up at me, deer in a headlamps kind of thing, and said, this has never happened before, you know, while she tried to, like, wrench these forceps out of me. And so that was a, that was a very, very tense moment. Um, and it was at that point... Um, when she actually asked the nurses in the room to please go prepare for a cesarean section. And this was another moment where I was just so grateful that we had a doula with us because she convinced our obstetrician of me push for another round. And, um, and, and, and I also, it, it rings crystal clear in my mind what our doula said to me. She said, push so that your baby hits the wall. <laughs> Those were her words to me, you know. And, and I think just that imagery hit home and I, and I just pushed, you know, so that I could shoot the baby out to hit the wall. <laughs> and, um, and Josh came with that, you know. And so, so that, was, that was a very, very um, unpleasant um, and, and anxiety-provoking uh, moment. Um, but luckily, Joshua did come very soon after that, and we were able to, I think, just by just a little slight moment, you know, avoid a cesarean section, which was we were very, very close to having. Then, um, after having an episiotomy and a vacuum extraction and the forceps, uh, Joshua arrived at 6 a.m. the next morning. Wow, Jess, that is quite the birth story. And now Joshua's preterm, 34 weeks, was there anything that they had to do in order to check him or did they need to give him uh, some steroids or anything like that? So um, because he was a preterm baby and um, obviously the um, neonatal nurse needs to be in the room and there are all sorts of other medical professions that need to be in the room for the delivery of a preterm baby because often uh, a baby at 34 weeks, they do need some medical help and assistance. Their lungs aren't fully formed. They're not properly developed. They often struggle to feed. Um, and so, yes, we had a heap of people in the room with us, um, which um, I think also just heightened that sense of anxiety in the room for all of us. And um, But actually, Josh was fine. He was a good, healthy weight of 2.6 uh, 2.8 kgs and didn't need any oxygen or any kind of support and uh, we were able to breastfeed right from the very beginning so um so he was actually fine and ready ready to come out oh it's so good that he was healthy and were they able to give you skin to skin straight away yes they did and um, and that that was also on our um our doula's instruction and um, she she said you know please can you pass the baby over to Jess and uh, and give her some time with the baby. Okay well that's great and now let's uh, talk about your postpartum period so how long were you in hospital for and then going home how did you go with things like breastfeeding physical healing how are your emotions? 
so I was in hospital for two nights um, and uh, yeah, it was, um, the hospital experience was not great. I, I mean, I'm very lucky to have a, I was at a private hospital and so uh, I had great facilities, but it was a little bit tricky in that the woman I was sharing a ward with, her baby was in ICU and so she was very, very emotional and um, I was obviously sharing a room award with her with my newborn baby and so that was a that was um that was not a very pleasant experience um but otherwise the hospital provided all the support that I needed if I needed some help with breastfeeding which I did at the beginning um they were there to help me and show me they were very patient and very gentle and very attentive uh, and so my hospital experience was very positive uh yeah, in that regard. So Jess, how did you then find going home, leaving the hospital? Um, totally overwhelming. Um, we couldn't believe that the hospital was letting us go home with this newborn baby that we had to keep up on our own. It was very overwhelming. Um, yeah, and I, I think <laughs> we were still just um, just trying to wrap our heads around the fact that Joshua had arrived six weeks early, you know, and a lot of the um, the things that we wanted to do at home, those things, that, those last little touches, you know, we hadn't done those things yet, and so we we just felt generally very unprepared. Um, but we were so grateful. We had a wonderful community of friends who jumped right in. I had friends delivering um, baby wipes and food and premature baby clothing and um, energy drinks and anything we needed we just had to ask and um, our friends kind of um, rallied around us and really kind of strengthened us to get through and um, it was tough because Dean and I don't have any family in Cape Town so um, we had some really dark difficult days at the beginning and um, it's just you're tired you've had major surgery you're still recovering you've got you have such a lack of sleep um, and so, I mean, you can go to a really dark place in those moments. And so we did definitely feel, um, just feel um, like we just missed our family. We missed our family a lot. Those people that you can just ask to come over and sit with your baby while you have a shower, you know. Um, unfortunately, Josh also had silent reflux and he was extremely colic. So he cried every day around the clock for months <laughs> and I um I did end up going to see a psychologist to really help put things in perspective for me many of my friends had had angelic babies who never cried and who went everywhere with them and they looked so fresh and upbeat and I my experience was nothing like that and um, we were not sleeping because just cried all through the night and the day um, and yeah it it was I, I definitely felt like I bonded with him and I connected with him and I loved him dearly, but there was, it was probably the most difficult thing that I've ever had to face in my life. Yeah, gosh, that does sound tough. And I mean, reflux is um, a terrible thing. How long did that last uh, for him? So because he was a preemie, um, it, it was longer. You know, usually they say these sorts of things subside in the first six weeks sometimes into three months for us it was five months and um, 
And yeah, so he had colic um, and was crying for a good five months. Sure. Okay. And you mentioned seeing a psychologist. How many times did you go along and uh, how helpful did you find that? Yeah, so I, I actually only went uh, went twice um, and it was actually a number of weeks in. It wasn't even, I wish I had gone sooner, you know, when some of the sort of um, warning signs were there early on. Um, and, uh, and, and she was just amazing in um, just to be a third party neutral sounding cord that I could um, share openly with uh, someone who had come highly recommended and who I trusted and respected. And uh, it was just helpful for me to know that I wasn't a complete outlier and that my experience was actually quite normal. It was okay to feel the way that I was feeling. Okay, great. Thanks for that. And now let's uh, go on to your current pregnancy. Uh, congratulations. It's very exciting. Thanks. Did you plan on getting pregnant? Um, so, yeah, we, it was definitely a conscious decision. It wasn't a, a oopsie. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we had always spoken about having a roughly a two-year gap. Um, and so it just felt like the timing was right. Um, it, it's tricky. Josh still feels like our little baby. And so it's quite hard to almost contemplate having another, another baby because, um, you know, as, as he grows up. But, um, but yeah, we do feel like the timing is right for us. And um, like this time around, it was, we fell pregnant um, on our first try. So it, it was very, um, very quick. And, um, and yeah. Great. So now that you've got something to compare it to, how has your second pregnancy been this time around? Just can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so I was um, desperately hoping for a little girl. <laughs> and uh, so when we found out that it was another boy, um, it did take me a little while to wrap my head around that. Um, but I think just the last scan we went for where I just saw that fully formed little person inside of me. And um, it kind of just, it um, these reservoirs of love just open up in your heart, you know? And so I'm now feeling, thankfully, very excited to have another boy. Um, so I'm grateful that I've had a, a change of heart. Um, and my pregnancy has been um, a little bit rougher this time around. It, it is, Josh is a very energetic uh, toddler. And so running after an energetic toddler, especially in lockdown, uh, while you're in the first trimester was challenging and exhausting, but we're through it. Um, and I definitely feel like my energy reserves are starting to be filled up again. Um, we aren't quite out of the woods yet in terms of a possible miscarriage. I've had some internal bleeding, so um, doctors are a bit concerned about that, especially given that Josh was a preterm baby. Um, and so I'm on um, a variation of meds to try to keep everything in and closed until late into my um, third trimester. Oh, okay. I'm really sorry to hear about that. Did um, How did they pick that up? Did you have any bleeding or s other symptoms or was it just through a routine scan? Yeah, so it was, they picked it up at this, the last scan we went for and it was actually quite fascinating. And I mean, it's remarkable what you can see in these scans. 
but uh, yeah, as she kind of scanned over my stomach and got a good clear image of it, you can see there's um, a pool of blood actually that's collected <clears throat> around the bottom of my uterus. And um, that, that pool of blood obviously needs to, to uh, be expelled. Um, we don't know how that's gonna happen. You know, if it's gonna be in a sudden rush, that could lead to a miscarriage or if it's going to just naturally be, you know, expelled um, slowly and gradually, which is what we hope for. And um, so it's a bit of a waiting game at the moment. Okay, I can imagine that would create a bit of anxiety. Um, yeah, how have you been dealing with that? Um, I think as each day goes by, it definitely gets easier. Um, it was very hard at the beginning because we had just seen this beautiful baby boy fully formed with five feet and five fingers and you know um on, on the screen but um the doctors have assured us that it is very unlikely that we would have a miscarriage at this point and um, they are just taking precautionary measures and um, because of my history and um yeah, so it's, it's, it's definitely more of a precautionary measure um, and something that they're keeping a careful eye on if the situation does turn. Um, yeah. Now, from hearing your birth story, it sounds like some of the things you would have liked to have turned out a bit differently. Going into your second pregnancy, what is your birth plan? Can you just talk us through how you're making decisions this time and how they might be different? So we... We have started the conversations very early on in this uh, in this pregnancy. Um, I feel like in my first um, pregnancy, my first birthing experience, that a lot of things happened to me um, and that I wasn't in control of what was happening to me and what was happening to my baby. This time around, I, I feel like I want to be informed and I actually want to make informed decisions around what gets done to me, what happens to me, and what happens to my baby. Um, so I've had quite a shift in thinking, and um, that, that shift has made me ask some, some questions around um, who, who, around which medical support I want with me when I labor, and um, is my obstetrician the best obstetrician and someone that I can trust wholeheartedly in a panicked and stressed and tense situation that they will make the right calls? I, I've, I am finding that I'm asking myself some really big questions, mostly around the people that I want with me when I labor. And I wanna make informed decisions around that um, so that I have people that I'm comfortable with, people that I trust, um, and people that I know that are pro my own personalized birthing experience around me in the room. Uh, we are uh, exploring having a home birth. And obviously that is not an option if our baby comes before 37 weeks. And so we, 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 we are still investigating and collecting a whole lot of information. Um, but her home birth in South Africa at the moment is very tricky and not widely supported by private obstetricians. So it might not be an option for us, given that I'm not necessarily a low risk pregnancy. And I can imagine from what you've said that you'll probably have a daughter again this time. Is that correct? Definitely. Yes. 
And now I guess we better talk about uh, the current situation. So the coronavirus pandemic's having um, a lot of effects on everyone's lives, but how how is that affecting your pregnancy and your birth plan? Well, I think that's certainly partly why we are exploring a home birth. So the, the primary driving factor as to why we're exploring a home birth is that in some way I want to find healing in my birthing experience and I want to redeem that experience for myself. Um, secondly, if I can avoid hospitals at the height of this pandemic, then I really want to do that, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it is a very, very uncertain time and um, it has already depersonalized the experience for us. Um, for example, the last two scans, actually the very first scan that I went for where we heard the baby's heartbeat for the first time, and that is one of the most miraculous uh, moments. Um, and Dean wasn't allowed to come to that consultation with me. I had to take a, a video recording, you know. Um, and then the second scan I went for where you actually get to see this little person, you get to see their profile and, um, the, you know, their limbs and just how beautifully and perfectly they formed. You get to see that on the screen. Dean wasn't able to come there to join me for that. And so Corona has um, already just, I feel like it's uh, made this experience far more clinical and depersonalized it um, a lot already. And uh, I can only imagine that that is going to be ramped up in the coming uh, months as we reach the height of the pandemic. And, and yeah, and so that does have very real and false implications for a pregnant woman. And their husband. Yes, definitely lots of implications. And how has Dean been feeling in all of this? You know, not being able to attend the scans. How did he find out what gender you were having? And um, uh, has he felt as connected yeah. as, you know, your first pregnancy? And um, he, he was, so we were able to do a WhatsApp video call when she told us the gender. Um, and so uh, he's, um, I, I don't know if he's not feeling um, as connected but certainly feeling not as, as involved um, and not f feeling like he can't be there by my side, you know, to support me and to kind of hold my hand, as it were. Um, and, and these are really, really special moments, you know, when you go for these scans and you hear the heartbeat for the first time. They're moments that you sort of treasure for the rest of your life and to have those taken away from you is a really big thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely difficult for pregnant women at the moment uh, living through this strange time. And I know um, with you having such a preference to have a doula there, that's something you're going to have to discuss with your obstetrician quite early. As I know, the current coronavirus and the lockdown is uh, affecting the work of doulas and they, they are restricting uh, the number of people that can go into the, the yeah. hospitals. So I guess that's something uh, you'll have to address quite early. Yeah, you're spot on. You're spot on, Megan. Um, in fact, our obstetrician told me at um, our previous consult that uh, at this point, no doulas are allowed into the hospital. Um, and she even uh, said there might come a time when the dads aren't allowed into the hospital. And if that does become uh, a reality, it would be devastating. Yeah, my goodness. I definitely hope it doesn't come to that and that... Dean can be there by your side during your birth. So, um, yeah, we just really hope for that for you. And 
I guess mm. just in finishing, do you have any resources that you would recommend to other women? Yes. So um, uh, my go-to book during pregnancy was a book um, written by a midwife, Heather Wood, and an obstetrician, Jackie Searle. Um, I think it was written by just the two of them. It's called Pregnancy Sense. And uh, what I loved about it is that it's written by local medical professionals and so their references are all in um they're, they're all in uh south african terms and um scales that we understand i often found i was researching on uk sites or us sites and trying to like, translate what, what does that mean in terms of kgs and what does that mean in terms of centimeter you know and um they, they refer to products and things that you can't get here whereas this book was just so great everything that i read uh it, it was relevant for me and the products or the um the things that they said that you should be taking in terms of supplements and and doing and preparation online courses and antenatal classes they were all things that i actually could follow through on i actually could go to clicks or discam and get that stuff for myself you know or attend that course in cape town and so that was my go-to book i found that it had just the right balance of information as well as um, kind of technical and, and medical perspective. Um, yeah, so that, that was my real little gem that I found. Oh, yeah, that's great. Thanks so much for that, Jess. Um, uh, local resources are excellent. Um, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you so much for sharing your birth story with us. And um, yeah, we hope to get you on for your next one if possible. Thank you, Megan. That's great. Well, that's our episode for today. Thank you so much for listening. It was excellent to be able to interview Jess and you'll be able to find the resources she recommended on the website, www.southafricanbirthstories.co.za. Just um, click on her episode and you'll be able to find that book. Also, I've put up some links to some doulas in South Africa. As she highly recommended doulas, I thought it would be an excellent opportunity um, to give you some directories for those. Furthermore, there's also an amazing organisation called the Zoe Project, which operates in Cape Town. It's a non-for-profit and it consists of volunteer doulas that support women in the state hospitals. I've been involved with them before and they're an amazing organisation. So please visit their website, www.zoeproject.co.za and you can donate or you can volunteer. Well, that's all for this week. Please remember that a new episode will be launched each week. Look out for those. And until next time, take care.